Welcome to Bandit's Keep. I'm Daniel. Happy New Year. Okay, I'm actually recording this before New Year's Day, but you're going to hear it on New Year's Day, so Happy New Year to you. Thanks, everyone, who's been supporting the podcast and the videos and the Patreon and the yet-to-come blog. <laughs> I really appreciate it, and looking forward to 2023. But today I want to jump back into what is supposed to be the main subject of this podcast, but I often drift, which is my system, Unchained, Fan Unchained, depending on I'm picking two at the same time. And we're going to talk about the one which is effectively using Chainmail with OD&D. Now, as I've been progressing through my campaign, I've been making little bits and pieces of changes as I encounter things, and actually as I get closer to encountering things, as I start to think about how this will actually play out at the table. It's one thing to run a one-shot and have your seventh-level character get wiped out, you know, in, in two hits by a dragon. It's another thing to have been playing six months and have this happen. So where is this going to work out? So there's a few things I've been kind of messing with. I think I've talked about a little bit where I'm changing some of the monsters to strictly being fought only on fantasy. That is, they cannot be hit otherwise. Other creatures will be able to be fought on fantasy or with magic weapons. Other creatures will be only fought on fantasy or with special weapons like a torch, let's say, for a troll or a mummy. And these I'm going to deal with in, a next, in the next podcast. So in OD&D, and I was looking at this, and this is what got me thinking about it, there are different age ranges of dragons. And that age range from, there's basically six ranges from very young to very old, dictates the number of hit points in OD&D per die that the monster will have, and also the breath weapon damage, right? Because your breath weapon is if you're a dragon. So the way I'm doing dragons now, or the way they're written in, I don't have my book in front of me, but the way that my own personal book, uh, the way I was doing it now is effectively if a dragon has a, the number of hit dice that a dragon has equals the amount of basically potential damage, depending on your ranking, normal heroic or super heroic, you get a saving throw. If you succeed, you take half damage. I think rounded up is how I did it. If it exceeds your hit dice, you're dead. If not, you're totally fine, which works and ties in with the abstract combat. And that's the way most things are working. But I really got thinking about dragons and I thought to myself a few things. I love the different levels of dragons. By having very young dragons, you can actually have low level parties fight dragons. Or you could do like a swarm of small dragons, right? You could do all kinds of fun things. If every dragon is an epic foe, you're not going to fight dragons very often. And the game is well, my game is not going to be called this, but the game is called Dungeons and Dragons. So I think by making dragons a little bit, have some more, we can have a little bit more fun playing with them. So this is what I'm going to do. Number one, any dragon below adult, or possibly sub-adult, I'm up there about that, can be fought on regular combat because they haven't quite built up that majesty of being a dragon yet. But most dragons are going to be at least half are going to be, well, if I do sub-adult up, then effectively, something of my words here, I'm looking at the chart, you go very young and young. Those are your dragons with, with very low hit points, according to OD&D. And then when you get to sub-adult, you're at three hit points, which is a little bit below average, and then it goes up from there. So I'm up in the air about sub-adult or adult being the cutoff for only being fought on fantasy combat. But, you know, let me know what you think. I would love to have you call and let me know what you think that cutoff should be. So that's step number one. The other thing I'm going to do is basically look at the the dragon's breath as something that will always cause damage. Because 
it's dragon's breath, right? It's used three times a day. And I just think that that's the way it should be. So what I'm going to do, since I did decide to keep hit points in the game, even after doing a massive man-to-man combat and seeing that it was a little bit slower and clunkier for me, I decided, you know, after talking to my players, that they like the idea of having hit points sometimes. They like the lingering damage of some things. So I'm going to use basically what's here. If you take a sub-adult dragon, well, we'll say an adult dragon, an adult dragon has four hit points per die. That means that if you take a blue dragon, which is, uh, let's say, eight to ten hit die, let's say we have a big one that's ten hit dice, you're going to have 40 hit points. That means that the breath is going to do 40 hit points of damage, and there will still be a saving throw, but that could also work out, right? But I thought, let's make this tie in and be a little bit more kind of interesting. And this is how I'm going to handle it. When a dragon blows its breath, so I actually have an example written down. I'm going to do this one so I don't have to do the math. A white dragon ult, okay? We're going to take the number of hit dice that the dragon has, and we're going to roll that many d6s. Then we're going to lay them out and on the table in front of us. Any dice that are two or above will affect normal types. Any dice that are four or above will affect heroic types. Any dice that are five or above will affect superheroic. The number of dice will be multiplied that, that affect you will be multiplied by the hit point value, right? So in this case of a, uh, we're doing a sub-adult, three, and that will give you your damage. So here's a couple of uh, examples here. I have a white dragon that is seven hit die. It is a sub-adult, which means it gets three hit points per die. I roll 76, and I get a five, a two, a six, a four, a one, a two, and a three. So normal types are basically hit by six of those dice, right? Because there's only one one there. They're going to take 18 hit points of damage, which is going to basically kill a normal type. A heroic type is only going to take nine points because there's only three dice that exceed four. And the superheroic is only going to take six points of damage because there's only two dice that exceed five. I think this is going to add some drama and some interest to the Dragon's Breath. It will always cause damage, so it'll be lingering, and it could be problematic, but that's what it's going to do. Now, if you get close enough to the dragon where you can engage it in fantasy combat, and you are a heroic or superheroic type, then this is not relevant, as we've talked about before with fantasy combat, all this gets abstracted. So, this is more like the dragon's flying over your head, you can't actually engage it in fantasy combat, because let's say you have a sword and not a bow. <laughs> so, if you cannot physically engage the dragon in fantasy combat you can be hit by this. So a flying dragon can be quite devastating. Although a flying dragon, of course, is more susceptible to being shot in the belly with a bow by a hero. I'm going to keep for sure. Now, dragons are not always going to fight as dragon on the table. The way I'm going to do it is they're going to start off as a very young dragon is going to be dragon minus four. I'm kind of mirroring what the wizard does with like the seer and the magician. So a very young dragon fights as dragon minus four, a young dragon as dragon minus three, a sub-adult as dragon minus two, an adult actually even fights as dragon minus one, because dragons are very tough. An old dragon is going to fight as dragon, and a very old dragon is going to fight as dragon plus one. This is on the fantasy combat chart. So this is going to be your balancing point here. I may still tweak that and adjust that a little bit. Again, I would love some feedback on that. 
as far as where you think they should go. I had considered possibly starting at Dragon minus three for a very young three minus or, or rather going minus four, minus two, minus one, then starting an adult straight dragon. You know, again, I'd love some feedback there. I haven't had any dragon fights, so I'm not sure how this is going to play out exactly. And the final thing that ties into this is what is normal, heroic, and superheroic? Currently, I'm doing it by level. So a first through third level character, player character is normal or human or anybody like that. A fourth through seventh is heroic and a character of level eight plus is super heroic. I am going to change this and this I'm pretty sure I'm going to use. I'm 90 percent sure this is going to be in the future because I really like this. I've kind of bounced it around a lot. And what it does is it actually unbalances the game a little bit. And hey, Daniel likes to unbalance things. So basically what's going to go, what's going to happen here is you will be a normal type if the if the way you fight can only be, quote, I'm quoting here, man. So man, man plus one, man plus two, three men, you're normal. Heroics can fight as hero, plus or minus, so hero minus one would still be heroic, or wizard minus. <laughs> Anyone who knows what's going on here is going to be like, hold on, but uh, let me finish. Superheroics are going to fight as superhero or superhero plus or minus. So superhero minus one is still superhero. And, or, or I should say, or wizard or wizard plus. So obviously wizard minus is heroic. What does this actually do for us? Well, if we look at the classes, a fighter fights as hero minus one starting at third level. So this actually allows them to be heroic a little bit earlier than everybody else. Well, not everybody else. A magic user fights as wizard minus four at second level. Okay. So both of those classes are getting kind of a bonus here, meaning they're going to be heroic earlier. And we're going to talk about what that means in a second besides just fighting dragons. The only one who's taken a hit here are clerics. Clerics will not be hero minus one until they are bishops, which is sixth level. That means that your fifth level cleric can't hit an adult dragon with, you know, with their mace or whatever. <laughs> Although they might be able to hit it. Well, they won't be able to fight it on fantasy combat. They could fight it on normal combat with a magic weapon. Perhaps I got to look at dragons again. Some things, I think dragons might be only fantasy, no magic weapons, but we'll talk about that. That's something I'm still working out. Now, this might seem like I'm nerfing the clerics, which I kind of am, and boosting the magic users. And this is why I said it unbalances things, but I actually like this because what happens here is, think about it, magic users... Okay, so first of all, let me roll back, just in case you're not familiar with the system. What do the types mean? For the most part, the types are used for who can fight on the fantasy combat table, which is what they are right here, which that's actually not changing, right? Because already that's the way it is. And saving throws, okay? I've already thought about the fact that magic users should have better saving throws, and in many of my saving throws, I give magic users... A bonus. I may go in and tweak that now that I'm doing this because what it means is that a second level magic user is going to have about a plus two on a saving throw versus a second level of any other class. And clerics are actually going to get kind of uh, bumped a little bit on their saving throws. They're not going to get really good saving throws until they get to higher levels. But clerics can fight almost as well as fighters and much better than magic users generally. Clerics have hit dice almost equal to fighters up to, let's say, up to fourth level, and 
then they kind of drop back by one hit die, but they're 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 almost equal to fighters as far as hit, hit dice are concerned. They level up faster. So there's lots of things focusing in on here where the cleric might seem like they're getting nerfed, but again, this is not a game where everybody levels at the same speed, where everybody has the same skills. Clerics have spells. So I think that it's okay. And we're going to find out, I guess, when it goes into play. But it is going to make the clerics more susceptible to things that need saving throws, which are generally, in my game, spells. So magical spells are going to affect clerics uh, a little bit more intensely. I may go into the cleric spell list and take some of the evil cleric spells and put a bonus in there for the cleric. So that's how I'll handle that. So like maybe a cleric, a good cleric should have a bonus against hold person from an evil cleric, right? So I'll just go in and tweak that in the actual spell. But it's kind of a general rule. Cleric spell, clerics are not going to have as good of a saving throw against Dragon's Breath, for instance. And I think that's okay. I really feel like that's pretty good. Because if we also look at clerics, so so just think, just as you think I'm really hitting clerics hard. So clerics actually get to superhero at ninth level, which would be about 200,000 experience points. And fighters get there at 120,000. I feel like that that's not that far off. I know that sounds like it's almost, it is almost double, but at those levels, you're getting a lot of experience points. But, but wizards, the uh, actual magic users don't get there until 300,000. So again, it's... There's like this weird back and forth of who has a little bit better on the charts. And that's just how OD&D works. And I really like it. So that's my plans. I'm going to talk a little bit more about the what creatures can be fun on fantasy versus not and how magic weapons and torches and things like that are going to be accounted for. I've got some interesting things going on there. Suffice it to say that with this change, a major thing is going to happen, which is that magic users are going to be better at fighting magical creatures and defending against them which I don't think is really a big deal. Let that magic user with their dagger fight the Balrog at third level if that's the way it needs to be. I mean, they're still going to die because obviously because of their hit dice and stuff. But, you know, let them have that advantage. I think that it makes the magic user a little bit more attractive. All right, and I've got a call from Jason from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Hey, Daniel, Jason here. Merry Christmas to you. Happy holidays. If I don't talk to you before then, have a happy new year. I kind of think I probably will. I 100% would love to take up your offer and come on and talk about OD&D fighters and how to buff them up. So let's get that on the books. We'll figure it out and plan it. As far as how spells are cast, no, I think you nailed it. I think doing it uniquely, and I think it's worth looking at each spell. Because some higher level spells, I think it would make sense to have some components for them and specialized things. So I really think you'll get each spell and decide. There's nothing wrong with just doing the, the verbal component, but I think some of the spells, maybe it's a little more fun, especially the higher level spells, if you have to go find spell components that are really hard to find. Um, but that's just me. Uh, anyhow, take care of yourself. And and yeah, I, as far as adjusting adventures up and down, obviously you have to you know, use a little common sense in that. But I guess my key, you know, my point was, which I, I know you agree with, is, you know, if all you have is a fifth-level DCC adventure, that doesn't mean you can't play a game without making fifth-level DCC characters, you know. You can take that and modify it to fit. If you're playing Castles of Crusades, you can grab your Castle Crusades book and, and modify it over. It might take a little bit of work from the DM, but, you, you know, it wouldn't be that hard. I, I wouldn't think, so... Anyhow, take care of yourself. I'll talk to you soon.
All right, Jason. All right, well, that was Jason from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Thanks, Jason. So, yes, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. I, uh, right, of course, I, right, I agree with you. You can really run any adventure at any level with any group if you just kind of look at it. Adventures are almost like ideas, or maybe they are just like ideas in a lot of ways. I know some people just like to pick them up and run them as they're written because maybe they're nervous they can't balance it or they, they don't want to take the time to do it. But if you have something you really love, you get an adventure, you find one, you know, on an online thing where, where drive through RPG or you, you find somebody, a lot of people put up free adventures and stuff and you're looking at it and you're just like, wow, this is really fun and I love the concepts here, but my party is seventh level and this is for a second level party. You can definitely buff it up and you can go the other way as well. You know, don't, you know, one thing that um, I, I often think about, like, they talk about people who are like lost in the desert and they, they, they find them, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, having perished and with water in their canteens. And that's the way I think about adventures. We look at a campaign and we're like, I'm going to run this campaign and it could last years. And so I'm going to take this really awesome magic item and put it 17 adventures later. And this one down here, I'm going to put here and this monster I'm going to save for a special time. Well, you never know. I mean, yes, we would all love to run a campaign for the rest of one giant campaign for the rest of our lives, maybe. But we never know if you're going to get there. So if you've got an awesome idea, figure out a way to make it work with the levels you're at. Make it work with the group that you have and just have a great time. Don't wait to run stuff. I've definitely made that mistake myself. And yes, it will be awesome to have Jason on. We'll talk about fighters and making them more awesome and fightery because that'd be cool. And, you know, it's funny as every time and I didn't say it during the podcast, but what I was thinking, too, with the spells was very classically. And I think most people listening to this have seen the original. I guess it's the original. The Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Conan, the barbarian movie where Conan basically dies. Right. And they kind of bring him back from the dead. I guess he's not technically dead. He's like mostly dead. <laughs> A little Princess Bride reference there. But, um, you know, and the ceremony that the the wizard performs on him, he wraps him in these uh, bandages and like writes magical incantations all over his face and prays over him by a bonfire. Yeah, those kind of spells for sure. Like, I feel like it is kind of cool to be like, oh, well, the character drops. I just turn around and point my finger and raise dead. That is kind of awesome. But the other thing is also really cool too. And I think maybe more... Uh, more suitable to a sword and sorcery, which is kind of the vibe I generally run. So I, I feel like that's probably what I'll do. I'll just look at every spell. And if I don't say otherwise, it'll just, and I'll make a note, you know, if a spell doesn't say otherwise, it's, it's cast with a single word. Otherwise, look at the description, conjure elemental, contact higher plane, magic jar, obviously you need a jar to use. The uh, spells like that where it really, if we don't obviously raise dead. Uh, on some level, I even like the cure spells doing that, but I do feel like that then that will have to have to adjust them because right now if you if you use cure light wounds or uh, or cure serious wounds in my game to cure hit points it does cure all their hit points but it also wipes the cleric out and the the character I don't really describe how it does it but I kind of imagine that's what it, is. it takes hours of like praying over there and pushing your essence into them you know maybe six or seven hours and then once it's done the uh, the person is still you know more or less comatose, and the cleric's like wiped out and collapses next to them. That's kind of how I imagine it. Uh, but, you know, I just, I'm trying to keep it loose because I like the game to be loose. But at the same time, you can use it during abstract combat just to zap somebody back up. So <laughs> that doesn't really work either, right? So uh, partially because I have different things with hit dice and hit points and stuff, it makes it trickier for some of the spells. But I think things like Raise Dead, obviously, you'd, and like I mentioned, Conjure Elemental, you know, Magic Jar, 
some of these like really high, mostly high level spells, I could definitely see them being a spell where you need something to make it work. And I love that. But, you know, sleep, I'm not going to worry about a pocket full of sand or charm person, you know, a looking glass or whatever, <laughs> whatever you need in, in some of the later editions. I just don't feel like that makes sense. And one of the things, one of the challenges really with me without giving them a lot more spells, which is what later editions of D&D did, which I don't really want to do, is making magic users a little bit more formidable and versatile, we'll call them. So I think that by, again, allowing them to cast without having to have their hands free, you know, they might be the ones that can save the party. Allowing them to have better saving throws effectively, which is what we're getting at at the beginning of the podcast, I think that's going to make magic users a little bit better without having to really change the rules too much. So anyways, that's what I got going on. I'm looking forward to the rest of the year. I really appreciate all the support that everybody's been giving me. If you would to like to reach out to the show, you can find a way to do that in the show notes. There's a link to Anchor, basically. You could also join my Discord server. If you join up over there, you can just kind of join the conversation. There's an RPG chat room. There's about designing and running adventures. Lots of stuff going on there, an art showcase. So really fun over on the Discord. Jump over and join the Discord. If you are there, of course, you can send me a private message. There I can play it on the show, as I have done with messages before. Also, if you don't know, I have a new podcast, Monsters and Treasure. I will put a link in the show notes. This is a podcast I do with my friend Kevin, or K.R. King, from D&D Homebrew, which is a great YouTube channel. Check that out as well. Yeah, we're having a lot of fun with it. A couple of guys chatting about D&D and fantasy subjects and all kinds of goodness. Finally... Thank you to everyone who has supported me on Patreon. I've had that going now for a few months, and I really appreciate the showing of support. Obviously, now I can buy all kinds of solid gold miniatures and, you know, metallic dice and fly around the world with all my Patreon money. So keep it coming in. I'm looking for a private jet in 2023. You know, I'm kidding. I do appreciate it. It's not just that it's a little bit of money to help with the expenses of the podcast and the YouTube channel. It really tells me that people care about the content enough to really want to you know, spend their hard-earned bucks. And that's that's really appreciated. It really is. So if you'd like to join the Patreon, <laughs> see that long pitch there, uh, you can find a link to that in the show notes as well. If not, call the show, like the videos, do all that stuff. That's all I, I really need. I appreciate it. I love doing this. And also, oh, I kind of hinted at it. Look for the blog. But I'm doing the Dungeon 23 contest or challenge, whatever you call it. And I'm going to have a blog for that. It's on WordPress. I think it's banditskeep.wordpress.com, but check the show notes. I'll put a link. Right now, you just see links to the podcast, which is also a convenient place to listen to them. Thanks so much, everyone, and I'll talk to you soon.